Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Happy birthday, Andre. I'm Andre. I don't know. How do you say his name, Toasty? Sarkowski? Uh, Sarkowski? I always just say Andre. I think it's like Sarkowski or something. I think it's like I don't know one of those things. Yeah, I don't know. We had we had a a fan of some of the shows uh, from Poland write me recently and say, hey, if you need any pronunciation help, I'm Polish. (laughs) I can help you with Polish names because we talk about Polish names on the Cyberpunk Lorecast also. Uh, But I didn't look this up ahead of time. But um, happy birthday to the writer of The Witcher. Welcome, everybody, to The Witcher Lorecast. We're back. This is episode two. You've got me, uh, Robots or Tom and Toasty here as usual and i hope you guys enjoyed the first episode we were very excited to get that out to you and we're still trying to make sure that it's up on all the platforms um hopefully it will be up everywhere this coming week we'll we'll have some notifications about like apple Podcasts and anybody else that's lagging behind with that and um welcome to our live chat it's monday night at 9 p.m eastern at twitch.tv slash robots radio where you can watch us live talk about this you can watch the videos and see our beautiful I don't know. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm on par with somebody like Yennefer. I would I would say, and you're kind of a Tris. Okay. Which, okay, which no. ones though? Which which ones though? That's the real question. Uh, that's true. I mean, they're I mean, they're all generally attractive, you know. Like, but, I mean, but like, I, I I mean, the video game characters are more attractive it's than true. the book characters. I mean, even in the books, they they get to choose how they look. So, like, they purposely choose to be attractive women, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so I think it's just it's just like which flavor of attractive do you like? You know, like, are you more into girls that look like this or like this? Um, Anyway, we're not actually that attractive, but you're welcome to tune into our YouTube channel. Speak for yourself. Okay, Okay. Toasty Toasty is very attractive. I'm just kind of mundane looking. Um, And (laughs) you can watch us live (laughs) on the Robots Radio YouTube channel, or of course you can listen to us on whatever podcatcher. But Toasty, we've got some other background lore to go into. Last week we talked about the conjunction of the spheres. Conjunction? Conjunction, yeah. Why? That sounds like a grammar term. Um, I guess it is a grammar term. I think there was that. I think there's that. That uh, what is it? Schoolhouse rock thing or whatever. Conjunction, junction. Yeah, yeah. What's your function? Yeah, I went in. It didn't occur to me last week that that sounds like a grammar thing. Anyway, I'm I'm getting off topic. We have more stuff to talk about. In this week, we were talking about the events that happened before we get witchers. Right. These are the kind of the Mm -hmm. events of the world that lead up to the world needing witchers the world creating witchers how, i mean how would you frame it this? doesn't i would frame it as stuff important stuff that happens before witchers come around i mean we we all know i think we all know why the world needed witchers it's not really Monsters. like an explaining for that yeah. but you know we're going to talk a, a little bit about the establishment like the first establishments of the 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 northern kingdoms mm-hmm. um and, and uh i think it a very important event of uh them uh making the brotherhood of sorcerers i think that's important too Ooh, okay well let's let's kick this off so where do we start so we mentioned a little bit last week but we start with the the, the first landing uh or uh otherwise known as the landing of the exiles 
Oh, so, so the Nordlings were exiles. Yes. From where? From where? I'm not entirely sure on that, to be honest. Mm. Um, they. So that's one of the weird things, I think, is uh, we're not. No one's entirely sure where the Nordlings come from. Because like we talked about last week, how the elder races were the first races, right? Yeah. And, and humans weren't here. Right. But maybe they actually were. We're not entirely sure where the Nordlings come from. Did they come through the conjunction and mm. then? So, so you're so, so you're saying that there's there's a few different variations on, on this. Either th- we didn't get humans. Like on our last episode, we talked about how most likely the humans showed up, and the timing was similar to that of the conjunction of the spheres. So the assumption is that the conjunction happened, and then humans showed up. So therefore, humans came from the conjunction of the spheres. One other possibility would be that that's just happenstance the conjunction happened and then the humans who are already just on a different continent or something found their way over to the part of the world where we have recorded history and therefore they already existed and i guess the the third option would be that there were humans that were here but then there were also humans that came through from the conjunction and that this group of humans may be one or the other of those two things and we don't really know so that one we know that the that I I'm still the pronunciation. We'll get that Polish guy's information. We'll we'll, we'll learn from <laughs> we'll learn uh, from the, him. Right. the the Dauk and the Wolsker people came through the conjunction after their. Okay, world so we know destroyed. for sure that those were conjunction humans. Yes, but the but Nordlings, the Nordlings we don't really know. the Nordlings. Yeah, they show up. They show up sometime after. To be specific, this happens in the 760s when four ships. Uh, which kind of surprising four ships bearing uh, the men who would give rise to the Northern kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they Mm -hmm. made landfall in the Pontar Delta. uh, One of those Pontar is one of the very important rivers uh, and and the mouth of the Yoruga, another very important river. Got it. Um, And the, uh, the names of the ships were the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria and the, um, the black Pearl. So, we wait that's not right toasty's laughing at me i mean there's they're not named so it could actually i correct think that's probably likely but let's just keep going it makes sense it makes sense it sounds very witchery you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so so this happens uh and and so they start to like set up things um and this is also about the time when uh humans or specifically the nordlings start learning how to manipulate uh, <laughs> there's another name for it we talked about chaos or magic uh-huh. they also call it the force the force wait 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 is this actually a like a star wars planet and we don't we didn't know it might be who knows there's a be. lot of planets okay uh, but it's yeah, interesting so, though so, but like magic is just called the force like it, it, it that uh, that means that it's common enough to be given a title as common as something like the force yeah yep so and they do refer to it as those like three things some people call it chaos some call it magic some call it the force mm-hmm. um a Nordling who comes in on one of these ships, one of the original like passengers, Jan Becker. I'm going to say that that's Jan. I think that's probably correct Polish pronunciation. Um, He's the first to 
start to learn how to manipulate the force. Interesting. So they actually have, uh, they know this is the first person to actually do this. That person must yep. have been a genius or um, really lucky. <laughs> I mean, or you could just be really determined, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it's interesting to even know that the, the thing like that is there until, like, maybe they had a natural sense for it. I, I think that there was, like, um, we see, f- like, physical manifestations of magic. So... I think it, at some point you show up and you like see this really crazy thing. And it's like, how's that happening? There's gotta, something's gotta be making that happen. Um, right. So it, I think I me mean, just was like, okay, maybe it was just a dude. who was like, I want to, I want to be the best. And so I'm going to learn how to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay. So in, what in happens this- after the seven sixties? So, so this is, uh, we get into the 760s to the 830s. This is uh, a 60, 70-year span. My math, bad. Um, 70-year span where just a lot of stuff starts to happen. So, so we get the, the reigns of Desmond and Sambuk. Um, Maybe, maybe not. Um, They, they begin simultaneously. These are going to be the first kings Okay. Kings. Okay. Um, so this is like Alfred of England being the first king of England. The, like these guys rise to power. Yep. And so Desmond is going to be the first king of Tamaria. Uh, and if you've had any involvement with the Witcher in any way, you've heard of Tamaria. Um, that's that's one of the big northern kingdoms. Um, and so. Not much is actually known about Desmond other than that he's the first king of Tamaria. Um, but there's a lot of like uh it says that his his memory lives on through jokes, proverbs, anecdotes, and adages. Mm-hmm. So um, he's he's so like the thing of legend at this point. Like he shows up in a lot of this common talk, but there's not a whole lot of like hard facts about him. Yeah. yeah. So I mean this is a long this is significant amount of time so uh we know that the the dwarves based on uh, a lot of the talks in the the books themselves the dwarves are seem to be very fond of king desmond or the memory of king desmond Hmm. um not entirely sure why but maybe maybe he treated them well maybe they got along yeah, maybe yeah. they had like good trade agreements and you know the, the humans kept to themselves and dwarves kept to themselves or or intermingled you know freely and there wasn't any you know like uh, what we know about the witcher in the games and, and in you know in the i guess the the time of Geralt is that generally the races don't get along very well they they really don't yeah. but maybe at the beginning they i mean yeah maybe they did. probably had to or immediate war would have ensued um but so and then also for so for Sambuk, he was going to be the so this is i'd like to think of this area as like the predecessor to redania mm-hmm. so it's not exactly the same area that redania is like what we see in the witcher 3. so he founds a state in the northern kingdoms that stretch along the coast of the pont from the pontar delta to the arc sea and his capital was novigrad Okay, and um, we're familiar with that. If you've played through The Witcher 3, you've been to Novigrad. It is very big, big, probably the biggest city. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and it's up on so, it's on the north part of the coast. Yeah. So this this is like an unnamed territory, but uh, it it basically sounds like he's going to be uh, the the first. The, this is the predecessor to Redania. He does give birth to. Uh, or he doesn't give birth, but he <laughs> is the father of Radovid the first. Okay. And Radovid um, is a common, is a name that we should be familiar with as well. Yeah. This is great, 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 great grandfather of, of that Radovid, but yes. Right. So these are like the establishments of the first kingdom. We got Tamaria, we got the before pre, uh, Redania. So, um, it, we start to see more and more of this stuff being established. So we get our first, uh, well, that's, that's clever, put them on the map. Yeah, um, we yeah. Get so, our, our uh, first... For anybody who's watching live or watching the, the video, I'm, I'm, and anybody who's listening who can't see it, I put up a map on the screen. You can look up maps on, online, and I, I recommend doing it at some point, and you'll notice uh, like the Pontar River, a lot of events happen in and around that area. Like this, this area between Redania and Tamaria, tends to be the location that we get a lot of events in the Witcher. And you can kind of see as, you know, I'm, I'm panning around a little bit. This is, this is the area that you get a lot of stuff, <laughs> this part right here, but it's bigger than that. Like we, we know more about the world and, you know, Sintra's down South of that. And to describe to our listeners, if you, if you're looking at the coastline, it's, it's a Western facing coastline. And Redania is toward the northern part of that coast just before you get to the part where the coast goes heads west and then the coastline faces south. Um, and then Tamaria is a very almost equally sized kingdom just south of Redania and the Pontar is the border. That's the river that separates the two of them. Okay, so where where were we here? I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. I just wanted to get a map no, up. So no, that's, see that's a good thing to add in there because of that. Yeah, that visual element to, yeah. to help with that. Um, so we also get the introduction of a new alphabet. Uh, oh, so I'm this is for the humans, probably. Um, you know, they're starting to kind of establish more of a, you know, developed. I want to say developed development. Well, a, no, a culture. You need like, <laughs> developed culture. Yeah, yeah, it's their own their own culture. Um, this is one of those things that when you look back in history, you see that there are connections between different cultures and their alphabets as as things evolved. Even like among Roman lettering, there's changes in Roman lettering over the years, and you can tell by the kinds of words used and the kinds of alphabet used that that culture was an established culture by that point and that there was a lot of writing happening which is why it had evolved from something that had been previous to that culture so um you know so like koine greek is a certain like that that is a hard and fast alphabet of the ancient greeks and by the time you get to modern greek that's now changed and there, that means there was a cultural shift between those two periods um just as an example so, so we get that we're getting a new alphabet, um, and we're also going to get the, so like I said, this is a 70 year span. So obviously not all of these things are happening stacked on each other there as the years pass on through this era. Um, we're going to get the, the Novogradian, Novogradian, Gradian Union. Sure. Um, the Novogradian Union is going to be a pact between like magic users. So we got mages, priests, and druids, as well as the rulers of of these like newer formed kingdoms mm. uh and these this is basically a means of 
putting kind of like a controlling measure on magic use. We're 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 starting to learn how to use magic, and it's as you can see, no one this this is like a new thing. So people that are learning to use magic, this is this is a strong force that people can wield. And so it, I guess they start to see examples of why people need to be more, uh, I guess, regulated yeah. on how to use magic. Yeah, well, it separates, uh, it, it creates a very big distance between the common person and a person who can use magic. The person who can use magic can do a lot of things that the common person can't. And they're also more dangerous and more powerful just inherently because of that. So it would make sense, especially for the rulers to try to put, you know, get a handle on it this is put in kind of place of with desmond and sambuk they're the ones that kind of throw out this idea of like hey maybe we should you know put some restrictions on stuff uh and and this is made with also the jan becker like before mm -hmm. um the first like magic wielder uh and then other mages jeffrey monk and gm batista that's a cool name yeah yeah <laughs> um so they make this pact of kind of and it's an anti it's like it it's a peace it's a peaceful pact so mm -hmm. like they want to try and make this as like peaceful as possible you know so uh we're starting to get more and more development of magic stuff uh jeffrey monk uh takes a group of children to be trained by elves uh and to like wield magic as well so i guess we're starting to see that elves are like learning how to do it as well interesting interesting so yeah we know it started with humans but it must have spread to the elves very quickly and then it, it, i i have to wonder if jeffrey was doing this outside the um uh outside the the rules i guess of these two leaders like to take children out of the human uh, realm, the, the human kingdoms, in order to get them trained by elves, might mean that he was going against some of the uh, some of the rules potentially. Oh gosh, I remember saying something about this, and it's like throwing me out. I think it was he was given permission oh. from. This is probably some sort of like kind of um, conscription kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. So these these where, children were being chosen in order to be trained on purpose and then we're for some reason going to the I, I i'm just not sure how the elves fit in here because if the elves were i mean maybe they took to magic even faster than the humans did once that they were introduced to it and so they became able to teach it to the children i i think this might have been like i said this the novogradian union was a like a peaceful treaty between the kingdoms. Maybe he was trying to like loop in the elves to uh, have okay. like an overall kind of peaceful thing. Cause obviously Desmond probably has a good relationship with the dwarves seeing as how the dwarves revere him, even to this, you know, the time period we're in now. Mm -hmm. So maybe they were trying this whole, you know, peaceful of all the races trying to try to establish bring, like bring a, this together, you know, like uh, if, yeah. if you're going to, if we're going to wield magic, then you're going to wield magic. We can train together that sort of thing potentially. Yeah. That could make so, sense. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't last. Unfortunately. So during this, this 70 year gap period, we're also going to see, uh, the massacre at Lochmuin and Est Hamlet 
geez, these names are brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, carried it out by Rappenek of Tredegor's army. Um, and, and this Rappenek, <laughs> literally some of the only things people know that this dude was just notorious racist. Uh, well, there you go. That's uh, part of what yeah. he's known by. Okay, and so he's, he has a, he's creating problem. He's creating strife. And, and that's kind of his one goal, it seems. Yeah. Because that's so what he's, he's known he's, for. <laughs> He's part of he's yeah he's part of the Redanian military, but he's he's just a terrible racist. Uh, even quoting a famous quote of "a good elf is a dead elf," mm, right? And right. that's oof. He's starting to you know him massacre elves, right. um, creating friction between the groups. Yeah, we're also going to see uh, the, another location, Sherawed. Uh-huh. Um, and that sounds elvish. That sounds like an elvish location. So Jeffrey Monk took these kids to Loch Muin to train. Uh, so that's also, these are all elvish locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they we're just getting elf, elven like massacres and, and everything right now. We're starting to see the beginning of this like terrible, I guess the racism we see in the Witcher universe. Right, right. This is and, this is the seed that grows into the the very difficult time that we're seeing in the I guess the modern age of the Witcher. So those are some of the important events that happen. We'll get into the eight thirties and we're gonna see the six years war uh, between Tamaria and Sintra. So we're at this point, I guess Sintra has become a development. Uh-huh. Uh they're kind of battling it out over land typical human i think human thing to do mm-hmm. this idea of mm-hmm. you know that's mine but someone else being like no that's mine right uh so so Sintra and Tamari go to war and it's kind of an interesting aspect of things because the king of Tamaria at this time is incredibly mentally Dis- disabled, I think. Um, they they use some words that I think are a bit less uh, nice. So I, mean, I don't want to say those words, um, <laughs> but that's what they yeah. mean. Uh, and in yeah. any of these old histories, uh, and and I get the sense that this is written kind of in a similar way. You have these uh, very blunt and simple descriptions of people that weren't necessarily uh, written in the same way that we would write about somebody today. So like. Yeah. You know, like the words for like in today's today, we might say they were mentally disabled. They had PTSD. They had, you know, it was like very specific diagnoses of like personality. But when you get to this old stuff, you just know that like, well, people called him this because they thought of this about him. And it probably wasn't very flattering. And so you have to kind of figure that that out. And that, that seems to be the sense that, that I'm getting here in the way that you're describing a lot of the events and the people of this time is that it's. It's very simplified and um, potentially not even super uh, objective. It's just all the all the information is coming from like a specific source. And it's very and it's not even doesn't even go over all the details. It's just like this is what we can put together about this time period because we don't know a ton about it. You know, we're not the author. We only have the little hints and things that we get from the stories, which which makes sense for like, you know, we're still at the point of, you know, older history where yeah we don't have all the the answers here essentially the idea i got from this guy is it kind of reminded me of like in lord of the rings the two towers uh uh, the king of rohan 
uh-huh. uh, when um, he's been poisoned by uh, Saruman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he literally like is so gone that he can't even make decisions. Right. Uh, right. He, at that point, he's, he's just, just kind he's, of a puppet and he's he's barely alive even. Yeah. So this is kind of the state that we're seeing uh, from this particular king. So I have to wonder if, you know, we have some behind the scenes people that are just manipulating him to going to war mm. um, because he can't make that decision himself. That's not a decision he can make. So we're going to see the six years war and they're going to battle out, but it's going to come to an end, a peaceful end. Um, thanks to Rafford the White. He was the advisor to this king, and he kind of decides to take things into his own hands of like, you know, I'm tired of this fighting. It's going nowhere. And, you know, my king cannot come to the decision to stop the war and other parties involved don't seem to want to. So I'm going to stop this war myself. And uh, he, he executes like peaceful negotiations between Tamari and Sintra, brings it into the war. He's also uh, an incredibly gifted mage as well. Mm, mm. I wonder so, if that was part of it, like being able to use that to his benefit to convince people yeah. to stop fighting. These are some of these, the key events that we're going to see that take place in the, the limited amount of information we have, at least from this time period. Right. Um, but this isn't it for the 830s. There's some other pretty significant things that happen a little bit after this that I think are really important. Also, fun fact, we're going to have the birth of Emil Regis Rolahek Terziev Godefroy. It's a fun name. I've heard it a lot of times. So I actually know how to say it uh, <laughs> in the books. So this this is, or better known as Regis... If you played uh, the Witcher 3 blood, DLC, Blood and Wine, Blood and Wine, yeah, v- the vampire. Yep. So yep. he's he's born all the way back here. Um, and w- and how many years is that before like the modern age? Just for context, um, like this well, is eight thirty nine, right? So the Witcher three happens. Getting things, getting, getting, looking things up. Well, this is interesting because there's, I mean, really, May we only have about twelve seventy two is when Witcher three starts. Twelve seventy two. Okay, so this is two hundred plus years, or I'm mean, sorry, four hundred plus years before years before the events of The Witcher. And well, that's interesting is that, that like you go back four hundred years and information gets really foggy. So it's only it's only been a it's not really that long of a period of time when you think about it. And I think I think we that's something we see maybe just due to like technology at this point. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, and this is another important aspect that like let's keep in mind because we haven't seen a solution to monsters yet. Right. Like, right. There's less of so, them that like that's one of the things that the Witcher games make very clear is that witchers are less common. Monsters are less common. You know, like humankind is now spreading across the continents and settling the wilds and, and that kind of thing. But you're so, right. But these things are not gone. <laughs> like yeah, every town has a monster problem. Yeah. So this during this time frame that we're learning about, it's there's a lot of things going on and they just don't exactly like, I'm sure they're not as 
focused on recording the history of what's going on. That's mm-hmm. not, that's probably not their top vi- priority. So I can see why we're not exactly getting a whole lot of, you know, information here, Yeah, which is unfortunate. It'd be great to know some like what's going on here, but yeah, it makes sense. You know, Oh, well, oh, um, well, we but, have a uh, mid break coming up and then we've got some more talk about the brotherhood of sorcerers, right? That's what's coming up next. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and during the mid break, we're going to play the new Geralt trailer. So you will be able to hear the audio uh, for it. Um, Toasty won't be able to hear it because he can only hear my microphone. But uh, you, the listener, will be able to hear the audio or actually watch it as we go through it. And then um, Toasty's been working on his his string board deciphering deciphering <laughs> like that's what i'm doing at this point is yeah. like decoding a cipher <laughs> yeah 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 there you go yeah so uh, let's go ahead and move on to that very well let us get this over with something has infested my vineyard mm-hmm. great let me go prepare my something oil then all right, well, those sound bites. I'm gonna <laughs> get used to those. <laughs> They're so good. Welcome to the middle of the show. We're we're very glad that you guys are here with us. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to help out the show, we would love your help with uh, adding reviews to Apple Podcasts whenever that is actually live and published. Um, and telling your friends, you know, if if you're into The Witcher, if you're getting back into season two, if you're jumping back into one of the games, and I know we're gonna get a, a new Witcher game at some point. CD Projekt Red has said that they are working on both Witcher and um, uh, Cyberpunk properties. So uh, if, if you're just jumping back into this, we would love for you to share this with your friends and let people know because our success on this podcast will only be as good as your response to the podcast. So um, thank you very, very much for any support you can you can give us. Let's take a look at the Witcher season two trailer number two. This one focuses primarily on Geralt. And let me make sure that this is uh sized correctly for the video here we go all right and you can listen along if you are a audio listener uh to to what's going on here here we go Double, it's doubled up. It's like showing both uh, trailers at this point on this video. Um, <laughs> yeah, it went right from Geralt into, into Siri. Um, so that's it's quick. Like there's, I mean, clearly it, lots it's of. It's really short. There's it's like really there. short. Uh, there's not a whole lot of talking. It's it's very much a teaser. There are very quick cuts and it's like Geralt here, Geralt there, standing in front of this thing out in the snow, you know, like boom, 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 boom. And then it's basically done. So I know you toasty. I know that you've put this down to like one quarter speed and you've frozen every frame and you've been looking at this. What, what do we, what kind of information do we have? What have you put together? Um, so Oh man, this is this is crazy. Obviously, I mean, my main focus is those runes, right? Like that's what Mm -hmm. they flash those little runes for like a nanosecond on screen. Yeah. So, like, are they different than the last one? They're different. These are different runes. Okay. What do we have? What do they say this time? What have you like? We know you've gone through the process of like finding the runes that we have access to, that we know what the words are, what the letters are, whatever. Um. So I'm guessing you went through a very similar process. You kind of pulled that stuff up. 
you've taken a look at it you're nodding your yeah. head i think maybe that yeah. you actually have more words this time is that what you have no uh, no oh no okay what do you it's, have they're they're really messing with us on this one they're starting to get i mean okay maybe so so i decided to go a little bit deeper this time because mm -hmm. uh, i'm i'm not like uh, it's turning me into one for sure but i'm not one of those like super crazy deep divers that like is like you know delving onto like the pages of the dark web to find out but i know that people there's people that are and if they are they're definitely going to respond with the stuff that they know to this stuff so oh, no don't go in the dark I, web <laughs> Sorry. no don't go in the dark web it's bad um uh but so i i, I decoded this stuff for myself I, i'm using uh because we have the uh the the pictures released with like the I guess translate translation of the the runes. Um, so I did it myself, and then I decided to go because I talked last time about the Redanian Intelligence um, website. Well, they have a Twitter account. I made sure to follow them, and uh, I went and kind of delved onto the comments where people are talking or tweets that they did at the Redanian Intelligence, talking about what they found or you know on the comments of these things mm -hmm. so the what we got out of it um was and i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation as well this is elvish or elder speech so i'm not fluent um a eerie in verne in english shine okay what does that mean so the only concrete word we have, unfortunately, is Inverni, which mm -hmm. means winter. So we have ice in the first one and winter in the second one. Yeah. So confirmed winter is coming. <laughs> this is Game of Thrones. This is now Game of Thrones. Season winter. nine. Win no, <laughs> season 10 or whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but so, but like I said, I went I went a bit deeper this time and I, I looked at like a, all of the comments that I was seeing, um, the tweets and whatnot. So A, I think I, I went on there and I couldn't find specifically just A because it's spaced. It's A Eerie, which was the first set of runes, but there's a space. So A seems to translate to two, like T O. Right. Um okay. which I know isn't a lot, but it it's a thing. To something um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, and Eerie might possibly translate to here. I have a question mark on that because I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But like H-E-R-E, mm -hmm. like here and now. Um, and so I was seeing some things and, and it looked like there was kind of like different like phrasings of these things, but essentially it may possibly say another winter to pass or, or, another, or another winter has passed something like that uh -huh. it's not it's not a, a a definite translation but i mean i think i think at this point they're just teasing us i think this is still more of ithlene's prophecy if I had to guess, we have ice, we have winter, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there's the a, white 
thematically Frost, think, similar. So. Right. So I think, I think this is just more of that. They're giving us a little bit of the prophecy at a time. That makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. And which, I, you know, be really interesting is if by the time we get the actual full trailer, like we get all these teasers and then we get the prophecy like yeah. spelled out, uh, translated for us. Yeah. I'm hoping uh, that we get more information specifically on how uh, we may not get it until the actual season comes out, but I'm hoping that we get like an actual, like definite translation for these. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this David Peterson guy is really being real uh, uh, secure about what he shares as, as when it comes to this stuff. Like he, he's, he's holding it close to chess. So I'm sure he understands exactly everything because he's yeah. the one that came up with the language. Right. No, it's, it sounds very uh, intentional <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure he's not going to spoil it for everybody, but I think you're right. Being that it is translatable, it's not just gibberish that we're going to get something. And if not by the, by the end of the trailers, but at some point in the show, we'll be able to look back and, and even if it's not spelled out for us, I'm sure you'll be able to go, okay, yeah, this is what this means. This word showed up here. This word showed up here, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty, uh, I mean, they've, they haven't given us any concrete words except for ice and winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there seems to be a theme going on here of what we're talking about. Yeah. So yeah. It, it just seems that that's, that's where we're heading. Ithleen's prophecy, the white frost, you know, great cold thing. It just seems like oh, that's where we're going. All right. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on that. If we get another teaser before next episode, I'm sure Toast will be on it. And we'll see if we find any other snowy winter kind of language. Or maybe we'll get something else. We'll just have to wait so and see. I have, I'm curious about this now. We're starting to get, like, it seems like they're releasing this stuff. And it's actually... I have to, like, say I'm super appreciative of them doing this. Because they're, like, giving me, like free stuff to talk about because yeah. they're like throwing one out every week and i'm like okay yeah. we can talk about this so i'm wondering how many we're gonna get obviously so my thoughts on this because in the first season we had the story of siri the story of Geralt, and the story of yennefer right that's kind of every like the three that we got right so we've gotten the teaser trailer of siri the mm-hmm. teaser trailer of Geralt. Are we getting the Yennefer one next? Yeah, that, well, definitely. Because people are going to be wondering what what happens to her, and oh, and she's for sure they. Uh, <laughs> she was, and the actress who played her was so good in the in the first season, and I think oh, yeah. you know, um, I my my wife hasn't played through the Witcher games, but we watched we watched the first season together, and uh, you know. I like getting people's perspectives on things who don't have the same background I have. So I was like, you know, I'm watching and I'm going, oh, yeah, this is that scene from the book. And there was a, you know, call back to it in, you know, the Witcher game and or one of the games. And but she doesn't have that reference. So at one point I was just like, what is your impression of of Yennefer? Like, what do you think about her? Because she is so she always teeters on the edge of like dark right? Like she's very headstrong. She does what she wants. She's kind of domineering towards everybody around her. She's got such a rough background. Um, she's very powerful. And ultimately she ends up on the side of good, but she, she always teeters on that side of like doing something for herself versus doing the right thing that needs to happen. You know, like she's, there's that edge there with her. Um, 
and she thought she thought she was an incredible character she really wanted to see where that was going and um had some had some thoughts about maybe where that was going to go in the future but yeah it, I, I think that they're definitely going to have to include her yeah she does play uh, i mean this is following the storyline of the blood of elves and she's a very significant part in the blood of elves so yeah. i'm gonna start seeing Jennifer train siri for how to use magic yeah that's that's big yeah. um so uh, i'm guessing i don't remember exactly what days they're dropping these at it seems like it was like tuesday or wednesday i think i remember um mm-hmm. so we're okay, gonna see I- probably the unifer thing and we're gonna see more runes and you know what i'm i bet i'm gonna be able to translate only one of them probably so. it's gonna say like <laughs> frost or something right yeah this one went up this video went up uh and it's not the original people who did it it was reposted and it says the 18th so it was three days before now well, that would have been friday so maybe towards the end of the week maybe we get them thursday or friday um seems to be it but we'll have it before most likely before the next episode so we'll tell you what let's let's move on with the rest of the show because we got to talk about the brotherhood of sorcerers and then a little bit about the creation of the witchers and uh we got to do it before we run out of time because the xbox game pass show is coming up after this so let's get to it Looking for an RPG podcast that isn't just D&D? Roll to cast is the answer. No, no, wait, sorry. What games have we played so far? Well, we've done Cyberpunk 2020. What does it mean to have a voice? And there's going to be something big coming, Chumba. Hey, if you're listening, I won. I beat you. You suck. There was a time when we were slamming things against our phones. and <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Chloe, Sam. You can't use those words. He's going to grab Vincent, press him against the wall. I'm this is Adelaide's Anarch move. First out of your chair, your hand goes to your gun and you draw. Hope Cthulhu. Told you I had it. Oh, we've all got the creeps going. I love it so much. Right there. Screechy child. You're my favorite daughter. Maybe after what we just seen, we're feeling a bit trigger happy. And the new Cyberpunk Red. Babe, you're good, but better. Thought maybe you might be able to give me a counter Straight through his neck. I don't see bone either, but I'm not gonna look. My leg's fine. I always knew you wanted to fly, kid. Come find me. Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. A new game every season. Original music. Original stories. Interviews with the creators. And delightful Aussie accents. Listen to us on all good podcatchers. Even support us on Patreon for bonus content. That's Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. Come discover a new world. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. It's onion. Oh, it gives me, gives me every time. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, so we're we're talking about the Brotherhood of Sorcerers, a very big organization in the storyline of the books. This is the same 830s time period that we're talking about. So we're gonna see the creation of and they use a lot of names. I'm assuming these are names that they were trying to work on cycling through. So mm-hmm. we get the creation of the Conclave of Magus, name number one. Um, okay. And all of these names that I'm going to say, these are all mages that are part of this. They're going to drop laws on magic. So we got Herbert Stamelford, Aurora Henson, Ivo. Rochere, I'm going to say Rochere. Um, Agnes of Glanville, Jeffrey Monk, heard that name before. That's uh-huh. uh, So he's still around. And then Radmir of Tor Carnet. So these are kind of like the founding members 
Okay. Um, so the conclave of mages is these people. They found, they drop some laws about magic, right? Mm-hmm. All right. And then then where does where do things go? The Rafford the White, the the guy who stopped the war, he was very much against the beginning of this uh of this this group. There's a there's a bit of conflict between some mages that don't agree that they should be, I guess, as, as run like this ah. uh, and the ones that are making this what? Uh, mages arguing with each other. That never happens. Yeah. Uh, and Rafford's not going to make it. He, he He's not the winner in this, uh, this right. argument. So he done. So uh, he gets killed in the, the conflict. But we're going to see that these guys, they're going to start running things. So they're going to take control of pretty much most of the magic users, magic academies, like Eratusa and Bernard, they're gonna they're gonna take control of those as well, uh, and then uh, Risberg, which is a kind of experiment place. Hmm. Uh, they just do a whole lot of experiments with magic and mutations and things. That's an important location we're gonna get to in a little bit. So they're gonna take control of all of this stuff and start running it and declaring everything and how it works. Um, and then they're going to split into two different, uh, I, I put bipartisan system because it kind of hmm. what it reminds me of two different like councils, uh, five mages each, uh, and they're going to run things. They're like the top. So they're, they're running things. They're like the government of the brotherhood of sorcerers. And they're like cooperative. So, they're like, they're, there's like two different groups and then they make their they they decide what each of them think and then they come together work together in order to create the laws and the things that everyone else is going to have to follow they cooperate in somewhat but they kind of have their own different um agendas like yeah so mm-hmm. so we get the the chapter of the gift and the art uh and then the council of wizards and the chapter has higher authority to the council of wizards so for the the chapter they were kind of the the law. They decided all the big decisions and things. And then the council, we're going to see, they were given the run of like the smaller things, so like the organizations. Okay. Um, okay. So the, so the chapter they, is kind of like the, um, the federal government and the council is kind of like the local government or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like it says the chapter has higher authority, but it seems like it's a pretty ridiculous like sway of authority. So... Because the Council of Wizards uh, focuses on magical experiments, research, and expanding magical knowledge, mm-hmm. um, which is also kind of the point of Risberg as well. It seems more of like a scientific division. Of, okay. So, like, you're here, and so, you're gonna create the things. Right. Right. Okay. So the chapter is more like the government mental body, and the council is more like the research and and discovery the r&d arm <laughs> yeah kind so like it, 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 it's kind of a weird skew and I don't, I don't know they regulate and oversee the uses of magic and limit the practices of demonology necromancy and artifact compression which are black magic to them they, okay. they consider that black magic right. so they don't stop it completely but it's very limited controlled environments they don't like messing around with these things these are pretty bad things right and i think i think we get a good example of that probably in 
and like the Witcher three, um, when Yennefer uses necromancy, mm-hmm. we can see the yeah yeah the catastrophic s- effects that right. it has and the strain it puts on her. She like she doesn't like it. She's like, I can yeah. do this, but I don't want to. <laughs> she was like, Ur. yeah, I remember that moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was, it was. What is artifact compression? We actually get an example of artifact compression in the books. Yennefer is the victim of artifact compression. Basically, it's shrieking down and turning a person into like a tiny miniature statue. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like freezes them and it it converts them into another object and kind of freezes them in time in a way. Yeah. So so time still goes. Yeah. They're they're essentially I guess just like incapacitated for it. Like they're not. Mm, okay. They don't. They can't do anything or anything. They're just a statue, right. like a little tiny like chess piece, pretty right. much. Yeah. Um. So and this happens to Yennefer when uh, she gets she gets kidnapped um, and forced into or basically forced into the Lodge of Sorceresses and they, they turn her as a statue. And it it's not good because it, it can cause organ damage. <laughs> and <laughs> like that's if you bring them back, like if you just leave them there, like you're effectively dead, I would think. Right, right. Like, I don't. It's, it's I don't a prison. know what point you die, die. Right. But you're a statue for, and if they choose to leave you as a statue for all time, I'm like, you're gone. You're no longer you're, a, a thinking, doing person. You're just a statue. Yeah. 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 So I gotcha. Okay. The, yeah. I just had a question uh, about that. Cause I, I wanted to, to clarify that up because the demonology and necromancy are pretty clear. Yeah. Those we know self-explanatory right. <laughs> yeah. demons and dead um, things. <laughs> so, and I, so they, they're regulating and they're giving uh, people who like ha- use that magic what they refer to as fair and just sentences. And you want to you want to know? Yeah. What, what is a fair and just sentence? <laughs> yes. Sentences? What, what is this? Talk. What is this? What does um, it mean? So they shackle them in Dimeridium or Demetrium, however you want to pronounce it, for several centuries. What? <laughs> like we know that like sorcerers and, and mages and things can live a really long time. Uh-huh. But like several centuries? What are we talking? Like like if you take it almost to the most literal, what are we talking like seven hundred years? Yeah, yeah. It's this is basically a, a life sentence. Well, yeah, and mages. we haven't even passed seven hundred years at this point anyways. So <laughs> Right. So do they just have people like, like chained up in the basement? Like for generations, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who is, who has been chained up in the past and we don't know about. Yeah, totally. So basically if you violate their rules on those things, you get locked up. Or if you don't get locked up, they like label you a renegade and they basically hunt you down and kill you. Um, Yeah. You're outside the, the, the bounds of their law. So therefore you are an outlaw and, you know, able to be hunted down. That makes sense. This is kind of crazy <laughs> to be honest. Um, and, and they specifically mention Alzor and Iteron of Ulivo. Those two were marked renegades. Alzor is actually a very significant figure. Uh, I talked about Risberg, just a place where you experiment mm-hmm. and, you know, mutate things and whatnot. So you're pretty much playing around in like a, a, a laboratory and 
just making whatever you want. And we're starting to see at this point, people are like, these monsters, dude, like these monsters are, are no joke. We need to figure out a way to get rid of the monsters. So the Northern rulers pass the mages from the Brotherhood to create magic wielding warriors to deal with the monsters and get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be done by Casimo Malaspina and Alzor. Um, So they brought in somebody who was willing to break the rules in order to accomplish this is basically what's happening, right? So at this point, I'm not entirely sure like this. Of course, this isn't this is labeled in more of a general term of of time. So Alzor was trained by Cosimo. So Cosimo took his like apprentice and he was like, all right, we're going to do this thing for him. And so they make the witchers like the first witchers. The witchers didn't work according to what they were asked to do because they were they wanted magic wielding warriors and witchers aren't exactly that talented at wielding magic right they're mages they're very limited in what they can do as we see with the signs they have to use the signs in order to manipulate magic and it's a very like inferior version of the magic that they're doing right they're by Um, no means mages they are they are uh minor practitioners of signs (laughs) that's basically when we see that with Geralt, right you know, he can make some sparks happen. He can slow down, you know, enemies within a certain zone. He can give himself like a little, a little shield. And these are the, the effects that he has in the games. Um, but it's still very minimal. I mean, it's it's more magic than the common person has. But I can imagine that uh, amp- leaders of nations who are looking to fight off the monsters were looking for more than just somebody who can cast, you know, sparks at the monsters. Like he was, you know, like, well, where is the fireball? <laughs> right. <laughs> So they're they're deemed failures. They're like, okay, we told you to do this. They can't do this. Just get rid of them. We don't want them. Like, so they get banished. Uh, which I guess is nice. They banish them as opposed to just killing them. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that wouldn't. <laughs> that was probably on someone's mind. Um, and, and so because of the time frame of things, I'm not entirely sure if Cosimo and Alzor are part of these, like renegades they brought in to do these experiments for them, or if maybe them being renegades are a result ah. of this, because ah. they were we labeled. Don't, we don't, mm. yeah, we don't hear about Cosimo after this at any point. Uh, and I'm wondering if maybe as the elder mage on the experiment, if like, they were like, you failed us and you know, killed him or maybe he was just you know old or something happened during the experiments that resulted in his death because we know that these witcher uh, we'll get into that witchers but, are dangerous you know, witcher stuff <laughs> is not exactly safe so yeah. uh, and alzor so maybe alzor has to you know gets you know sent out and he's like you know we don't like you anymore you suck get out uh, right. because uh, iteron is also Alzor's apprentice. So we're mm. seeing, you know, this line of people that just get sent out because they right. failed. Right. And I mean, maybe, maybe that they came to odds with the, um, the leadership of the mages too. Maybe they, maybe they felt like they were abandoned. Maybe they felt like they were set up for an impossible task and now they've got a chip on their shoulders, you know, like I, I, I believe it. I mean, like 
we see this we i we see this a lot in the books these mages aren't like by any means like like their egos aren't normal egos like they the power seems like it very much goes to them because a lot of these mages seem full of themselves oh yeah of like i'm the greatest i can do the greatest things and like uh Cosimo was no like tiny mage he was he was considered really powerful uh for the limited you know knowledge we have about him and alzor is like a uh uh like ascendant he's like super strong he has like uh spells that actually like get made he makes and they get handed down mm. uh like he's he's incredibly talented and uh it's believed that he's actually the did most of the work on the witcher project mm. Hmm. Yeah. So, and maybe maybe the organization fears them. Maybe they are so powerful and so ahead of the curve that they're trying to be reined in, and they don't appreciate yeah. that. That could be that could be it too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so we have the coming together of these renegade mages with a plan to create warrior mages that doesn't work, and so we get witchers instead, and the witchers get banished from the castle, and of course they don't go quietly and just disappear because otherwise we wouldn't have the witcher stories right so they continue their line and we're going to get into more of that in the next episode where we can talk about the beginning of the witchers i uh i kind of just want to talk about witchers just witchers in general i think i think this is uh, i think i think that's one of the biggest thing i mean this is the witcher lore cast i think people want to know about the witchers sure yeah okay well let's dig into the witchers next time that sounds good um well, thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and there's a lot of information here, but then there's also a lot of holes in it. So, um, so it looks like Toasty's had to kind of stitch some stuff together in order to get us a vague representation of the past, you know, but this is what we know and this is what leads up to the witchers. So pretty cool info. Toasty, do you have anything else going on? Anything you want to share before we head out? I feel like, um, uh, I feel like I'm going to be like sort of the second Captain Logan on this because I'm, I'm so excited about the Sea of Thieves happening <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. Yes, yeah, so, so if, if anyone doesn't play Sea of Thieves, there's the big update coming tomorrow with uh, the Pirate's Life. So they've combined Sea of Thieves with um, Pirates of the Caribbean and Jack Sparrow and a bunch of quest lines, including characters that you know from the movies are going to show up. And uh, I'll probably be streaming that with Kirby Chew tomorrow. So maybe we can set up a time to play some games. Uh, check out the new content. totally be down i'm about to uh i may accidentally disappear off the grid for the next few days <laughs> while i grind and no life it uh but <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah um not not really anything else you know too crazy going on um uh, follow us uh the Witcher Lorecast on uh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Witcher go check Lorecast, out. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, check um, out Witcher Lorecast on Twitter. And um, yeah. if you have any, we'd love to hear some of your thoughts and opinions about the Witcher books and the games and, and the content that we've talked about already. And if you have any other insight into anything, any of the things that we've talked about also, please feel free to chime in and you can you can post on the Robots Radio Discord. That's another place that you can get together with us and talk. It's a very popular Discord. We have lots of different channels for all the different podcasts on the Robots Radio Network and a lot of the games and things that we all play together on there. So go check that out. And let's see, I've got um, I've got the Xbox Game Pass show coming up next 
with um, Sam, so N7 Legend from the Mass Effect Lorecast, and I do that show, and we'll be talking about some of the new games uh, coming to Game Pass and some of the ones that we've tried out recently that are currently available. So stay tuned for that. Um, even if you aren't a Game Pass member, you can, or owner, I don't know how that works. Um, I don't know what word best fits that, but even if you don't have the Xbox Game Pass, you can still listen to the show and hear about some of the games that you may or may not want to pick up. But if you aren't a Game Pass owner, then you can use our link. And we have a link, um, and so bit.ly slash xbgpass, and it will get you to a page where you can get the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for a dollar for the next three months, which is ridiculous because you get access to all these crazy games. You can play them on Xbox, on PC, and even on your phone. There's an app on your phone that'll let you just play these games on your phone, which is amazing so um and they, they stream from the cloud Crazy. they work great uh i've tried i've tried sea of thieves on there it works it's nuts it even has touch controls it's crazy dude. i can't imagine it's playing sea of thieves on touch controls crazy. It's crazy but you can also connect your bluetooth like controller like your xbox controller or whatever you can connect to your phone bluetooth so you could just use your phone okay. as a screen in order to just play the game wherever you are as long as you've got like a good wi-fi connection to the internet you're good um mm. Yeah, it's kind of kind of phenomenal. So like you can hang out with your wife while she watches something and still play Sea of Thieves on your phone, which would be super cool, right? Yeah. Spend some spend some time <laughs> spend some time with the lady, you know. All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll be back next week to talk about Witchers. We'll see you later. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Following is a public service announcement from the Starter Set Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is your D&D campaign. This is the Starter Set podcast. You know how like poison frogs don't lick each other's backs. So it's Hell's Moving Castle mm-hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? Hey Guardians, we are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside.